From Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Nobody's name and lights will shine brighter right now than Jalen Hurts. Because not only is he coming off of an incredible season for the Eagles, not only is he coming off a Super Bowl run, not only has he become one of the best stories across the NFL, he now is being paid like he's the absolute best at what he does. The highest average annual in new money contract in the NFL. A massive, massive deal today for Jalen Hurts. It broke just as we were coming to air. Five years, $255 million. Again, five years, $255 million. And on top of that, uh, when you start talking about it, there's a no-trade clause. Uh, that's, a, that's, that's huge for him in this contract. And then there's, of course, $179.3 million fully guaranteed. So uh, we'll get all of our thoughts on it. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. But we're joined right now by Lewis Riddick. Uh, Lewis, what was your initial reaction when you saw the Hurts deal come through? Well, I think what I thought of was this. What, is this, uh, what does this mean for Lamar, considering how this deal slots in with guys like Josh Allen first, then Kyler Murray, then Russell Wilson, obviously ultimately with Deshaun Watson, but it's an outlier. Like, how, How's Lamar going to look at this? Because, you know, the, the, the 51 million per year average doesn't mean anything, and it really shouldn't mean anything because we all know that's just, that's just for show. The total value of the contract really doesn't mean anything because it's really, you know, we, we don't know if all that money will be realized. So really, I mean, obviously I heard you just talking about it um, as far as the guaranteed money it's signing. Like Josh Allen got $100 million. Um, I believe Kyler Murray got – I think it was around $103 million fully guaranteed at signing, meaning as soon as he put his pen to paper, it was his. Russell Wilson got, I believe, $124 million fully guaranteed at signing. So for Lamar, if you spin it forward, you start thinking, okay, does, does he come off of the Deshaun Watson contract? Does he accept something somewhere in the, you know, 150, 160, 170 fully guaranteed at signing, 200 million guaranteed virtually over the course of the deal, you know, 200 plus, not, but not 230 fully guaranteed. Does it move him as far as what his demands are, or doesn't it? Or does he just sign the franchise tender and play on a one year deal and say, I'll take my shots at it next year, playing now in a new offense with hopefully improved weaponry? And I can increase my leverage, uh, my my position in terms of leverage next year. It's fascinating, quite honestly, because I think we see where these deals are starting to come in. What'll be interesting to see is where does where does Joe Burrow land? Because you would figure, man, that's going to be a, a big one. Justin Herbert's going to be a big one. So there, there's just a lot of moving parts here, and obviously Lamar's right in the middle of it all. So Lewis, I got to ask you this, right? We've seen Jalen Hurts got his deal. Um, whoever's next, whether it's Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert, when those guys get their deal, let's just say hypothetically they are not guaranteed contracts. Mm-hmm. Does Lamar at that point have to start looking at things differently because now you have three of the upper echelon quarterbacks in the National Football League right now that yeah. did not get a guaranteed deal? 
Um, does he have to, Harry? No. Will he? I don't know. I, I, I would think that you start looking at the market and you start looking at what owners are doing and how they are viewing that Deshaun Watson contract. You would assume that at some point you would move off of what your initial demand was. You would assume that. But with Lamar, I think it's dangerous to assume anything uh, based on what we know about him and how he feels about standing on his principles. And in this case, standing on what he believes he is worth to that organization in particular. Not what other fan bases think he may be worth to their organization, but what he feels he's worth to that particular organization, which you can get behind what he's saying. Okay. And you and I, I've been the one who in the beginning always said, look, I don't think you should throw out the Deshaun Watson contract. You, you shouldn't because one of the 32 owners negotiated that deal. So don't, don't exclude him now because it doesn't fit with what everyone else wants. Leave him in that, leave it in there. He's one of your guys. He's one of the fraternity, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know if, if, you know, if Lamar will say, when I put my pen to paper, $165 million is mine. If that could, let's just hypothetically throw that out. $170 million is mine. Would that be enough? Would that be enough for you? Would that be enough for me? Would that be enough for most athletes in the NFL, other quarterbacks, to say, look, that's now my money. Virtual guarantees over $200 million. That's now my money. Well, it virtually is my money. I mean, like, think think about it with Jalen Hurts. He's getting what 110 million at signing, and then by March of next year, 127 million dollars will be his, which, for all intents and purposes, is guaranteed. You know, because he's going to be on the roster. He's going to be a part of this team. Like, I, I just I don't know what you know what what is Lamar's driving you know motive. What's his motivation at this point? What point does he want to prove? What will satisfy him? I don't know, but. Man, it's fa- it's fascinating because this is this is high stakes, man. This, this is this is big time business here, and um, who am I to judge about what he you know what he should stand on and and what he feels he's worth? Because uh, I don't like doing that. I know we talk you know we talk about it as athletes all the time. Stay out of other people's pockets. And with Lamar, look, he's got to do what he's got to do. But it does make it a, an interesting discussion point because this is a lot of money, man. A lot of man. money. And I, and and I would say this, though. He doesn't take that guaranteed money. He puts himself further at risk. And, Lewis, I would say this as well. The one common theme, I think, for Lamar's side of things is that when you look at all these other guys that are getting their money and getting paid, you look at yeah. the surrounding and the supporting cast around those guys, it, look, it looks yeah. way different for Lamar than it yeah. does these other guys that are getting this money. There's no doubt. There's no doubt about that. And see – that's why I took a little bit issue to like some of the comments made by big Ben and look, I, I love big Ben as a player and everything that he accomplished in Pittsburgh and talked to him numerous times and have nothing but respect for him. But for, for people, whether it's Ben or otherwise to say, well, you know, Lamar is not the kind of guy who really scares you when you have to put the ball in his hands and have him throw it and really beat you from the pocket. And all I'm like going, well, one statistically that's not true because he can beat you from the pocket, and he has shown that he can beat you from the pocket, statistically. Okay, objectively, he's shown that. Subjectively, we've seen it. 
And two, look, if you just compare what he's had to work with to, like, for instance, what Ben has had to, had to work with in Pittsburgh during his entire career, mm-hmm. Ben had Heinz Ward, Santonio Holmes, Emmanuel Sanders, Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, Lamar has had Devin Duvernay, Miles Boykin, James Prochet, Sammy Watkins, Rashad Perryman. No disrespect to those guys because they're all pros, man, and I respect every pro. But that's nothing like what Ben had. That's nothing like what Joe Burrow's working with right now. That's nothing like what Justin Herbert's working with right now. That's nothing like what Jalen Hurts is working with. It's not even in the same galaxy. And yet, he won an MVP. Statistically, he's one of the better passers from the pocket in the NFL. And yet, we are still saying stuff like, there's still some people, as ridiculous as it is, saying, oh, he's just a running back playing quarterback. It's like, will you please knock it off with that stuff? And let's just fairly assess this man and why he is after what he's after and why he feels he has a strong case to ask for what he's asking for. And that's just a... I, don't know. I, I think that's why this conversation will go on and on until he puts his signature to a contract and um, put all this behind him. Yeah, and I'll never fault somebody for feeling uh, their worth in that process. That is his right to do yeah. all day, every day. I can only say this. If I ever know what $110 million looks like one day in my bank account, I'd open the bank account. like <laughs> I'd open the app like 400 <laughs> times that day. I'd be showing everybody <laughs> I've ever met. Uh, Lewis, appreciate your expertise as always. I know you're slammed today. Thanks for giving us the time, brother. We appreciate you. Of course. Of course, man. All right. See you. That's Lewis Riddick. Uh, Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. Saving your bundle motorcycle. RV and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. I'm not even kidding. I would press the refresh on that like every three seconds. I'd be sliding my phone across to everybody and be like, hey, uh, I'm sorry. Did I accidentally leave my phone unlocked? Oh, $110 million in the bank. <laughs> my fault. Like that. That's what I'd be doing all day long in that Kermit the Frog voice because I'm worth $110 million and you can't tell me not to. All right. A year ago, there were questions about Jalen Hurts even being a consistent passer. Seriously. A year ago right now, people were saying you can't bank on him. Now, he's going to the bank. So, what should the expectations be for Hertz now? We'll answer that question next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio money, and the money, ESPN money, app. Money. Get it! Fitz and Harry, the podcast. I think I speak for all of America when I say very simply, fruit punch is better than wine. I don't think that's a hot take. Fruit punch and the little Capri Sun things. Whoop. This music. Should we take Fitz and Harry to like the islands? Oh, yeah. No, I'll like, be all in to go to the take Fitz islands. and Harry to the islands, Like, man. here's the thing, though. Fitz and Harry, by the way, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. I'm going to be honest with you. If we go to the islands, the chances that I'm actually able to make coherent sentences, well, I, I don't really bro, do that it's much. Gonna be, okay. it's going to make the show that much more fun. Bro. Okay, that's Tr- fine. Trust me, I That's fine. Am I allowed to have a pina colada while we start the show? That's the only question. Well, if you we're don't on have to tell island. anybody. You can okay. tell them it's a virgin pina colada. Okay, yeah, because I am big on those. You put the whipped cream and, the, like, the cherry on top like that. Now, see, miss me with the red wine, but give me the sweet frozen concoction. That's basically a dessert with a slice of pineapple in it. Mm, Tasty delight. I'm just saying, oh, <laughs> Harry, just give me all your whipped cream. All right. So, Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. And uh, you know who can afford all the whipped cream he wants, all the peanut? You know, you know who today can afford a small island? Jalen Hurts. I mean, Jalen Hurts can go island shopping today. 
255 million bucks uh, 179 of that is the guarantee portion we're still looking to see what the full guarantees look like as we referenced earlier reports right now are that 110 million dollars goes into his bank account the day he actually signs the contract boop, boop. And then uh, more of it goes in next March. So we'll get more breakdowns on the guarantees. But it is kind of funny because as Kimberly Martin points out, Kimberly A. Martin, ESPN NFL reporter, on first take, uh, Kimberly A. Martin said this about what we were saying about Jalen Hurts just one year ago. Think about where Jalen Hurts was this time last year. Last year we were asking, hmm, can Jalen Hurts actually be the guy? He's got the intangibles. He's a great leader. But we know that his game needs to improve. But can he be just not just a franchise guy, but a guy that can deliver a Super Bowl? Well, guess what? He outplayed Patrick Mahomes in that Super Bowl. He got the Eagles to the Super Bowl. And he deserves every single bit of that contract. All I'm saying, though, Harry, is that the minute a quarterback gets viewed, uh, gets paid, the way they're viewed changes completely, right? Like, yeah. I, I can't control this. This is just the way the world works. Uh, at, at this point, with a $51 million Average new money per year. We all know that's funny money, but it changes the way he's viewed. We we view Kyler Murray differently because he got paid. We view Daniel Jones differently because he got paid. We view Dak every time there's a Dak conversation. Is it really about Dak or is it about Dak's contract? So to me, Jalen Hurts just took on a heaping helping of pressure from this contract. I'm not worried about him. Mm. And, I, and I, I can sit up here and I can say that with confidence. Because when you look at a guy like Jalen Hurts who's gone through the things that he's gone through, you look at the college game when he was at Alabama, right, getting benched for Tua Tagovailoa, then had to come in the following year at the SEC championship game um, and, and help them win that game and did that, transferred to Oklahoma, had to redefine a lot, of, a lot of things, became a better passer, then came into the NFL, wasn't the starter, earned the job, you know, went to the playoffs – Two years ago, a lot of people say he need to work on his passing game, become a better passer, took it upon himself to work on his game and be that guy for this team last year in which he led this team to a 14-3 uh, and three record in the regular season. I honestly feel like if he wouldn't have missed, you know, those few games, this team would have been sitting differently and he would have won an MVP as well. So Jalen Hurts has gone through adversity and faced adversity his entire career. Right, dating back from Alabama. Now I don't know what he went on what went on with him in high school, but what I've seen from him up to up until this point, him getting paid and me worried about is he gonna be able to keep this team afloat, keep this offense going? I'm not. I'm not. And the Eagles did one of the best things I thought they can do for a young quarterback. They went and got him that that big bodied number one wide receiver. He's working with two number ones. They signed um Jason Jason Kelsey's coming back. So I think you know, you got the staples. You got Dallas Goddard at the tight end position. So I think Jalen Hurts is going to be fine. And I also have them in the San Francisco 49ers competing in the NFC Championship game this year coming up. I feel like Jalen has the best of both worlds right now. He gets to continue to develop with great talent around him, but there will also at some point be the expectation that he's a talent elevator, right? Like, I don't think a lot of players really are elevators, but in a world where, in a world where suddenly you're making $51 million a year in paper money, there's still going to be this concept that that means you have to go from needing A.J. Brown to creating A.J. Brown, right? That's that's the big step. Patrick Mahomes no longer needs anyone around him. We just consider that Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid together 
are capable of creating. Like, Harry Douglas in Andy Reid's offense with Patrick Mahomes is today going to just strap some cleats on, hasn't worked out in a year. He's still going to put up 2,700 yards and 44 touchdowns. You better believe it, right? Like, that's just because you got you got the coach and the guy that can take your talent and make it even better. That's what's going to have to happen to Jalen Hurts, but it doesn't have to happen right now. Like, he's in this luxury today of, hey, I can get paid and I can still be in this bubble with these great players around me. And to your point, Man, I'll never forget being at the national championship game where he got benched at halftime. I'll never forget talking to him afterwards. Like, he was wildly even keel about everything, right? Like, that just shows that for whatever reason, pressure doesn't hit you the same. Like, some people are able to just let it all wash off their back like like water off a duck's back. Jalen Hurts is that. So while I think there is pressure on him because of the way we perceive money— I'm not sure that impacts him at all, to your point, because he just is that cool. Like, he's just that indifferent to what anyone outside his building thinks. Well, I'll say this. Like, we in the media, we create the pressure and put it out there. Like, that doesn't mean he's feeling it, though, just because right. we're stating it and we're saying it or whatnot. And I say we because I'm a part of the media, so I'm just talking in, in, in general. Right? But Jalen Hurts, what he's been able to do in adverse situations, right, his upbringing and just how cool, calm, and collected he is as a human being – on the field and off of the field, you know, I, I think that's something we're not going to have to worry about. He's going to still put that work in. I can't, I can't see him, you know, working on his game a, a year ago and getting to the point he was and where he was an MVP candidate and in the Super Bowl and then just saying because he's getting paid that he's not going to do the same things or even better this offseason to be a better quarterback. I don't even think he's wired that way. And especially when your father is a coach, you're not going to have that mindset ever. Yeah, 100%. And by the way, if the Eagles didn't believe what you just said, there's no way in hell they would have put a no-trade clause in that contract, allowed it, right? Like, they allowed a no-trade clause as part of this negotiation to be part of the deal. By the way, Justin Craig, our boss, uh, has chimed in uh, regarding the islands, and he said, if the (laughs) islands include Staten or Long, let's go. I think what we were just told is that I'm allowed to go to Staten Island and have a Long Island, which, uh, I mean, mean, Justin, the show's not going to get better if I'm having Long Islands as we start. Evan, is this now cleared? Is this... I mean, it would have been much easier for Justin to just say Manhattan Island, where we have a studio (laughs) and where we've done the show from. So, like, I think we missed the boat here. I think you guys can definitely go to Manhattan Island and do the show from Seaport. Okay. Is there a drink called a Staten Island? Well, see, that's the thing. Like, the Long Island never got pushed off the shelf. Yeah, I mean, the Long Island is still in place. So, I'm going to Manhattan where I'm going. I mean, I'll go to any of these islands if I can drink Long Islands uh, while I'm, while I'm, (laughs) I mean, are we, are we clearing this? By the way, Long Beach, much more delightful than Long Island. Long Beach just takes the Coke out and replaces it with cranberries. So, you get a little bit of the cranberries. What about a sex on the beach? Yep. Well, uh, you're going to have to buy me dinner first. Uh, all right, coming up, <laughs> which NBA title contender should be most concerned waking up this morning? Harry's got the answer next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. It was a day of upsets across game ones in the NBA with Milwaukee losing to Miami, the Suns losing to the Clippers, 
The Lakers beating the Memphis Grizzlies in Memphis with one of the best home court advantages in the NBA. And for all of those conversations today, as we wake up, the question is, who's puckered up the most? Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM channel. You know, you're, like, you're nervous. You're, you're kind of clenching your cheeks. A little puckered up there, Harry Douglas and Jason <laughs> Fitz. <laughs> I am... I am nothing but professional today, HD. <laughs> that no tickled doubt. me, man. Uh, that really tickled me. But that tickled me. <laughs> I, I kept thinking about as the night ended last. I, and again, I'm going to say this loudly on this show. Not just because I'm trolling everybody, but because, man, why do we do this every year? It's one game in a playoff series. There, mm-hmm. it, It's not a best-of-one series. The best part about the NBA playoffs, to me, in my opinion, is not only the, the intensity, the best part. And this is what I think the NBA playoffs offer that nobody offers at the same level are the adjustments, the abilities of stars to figure out, okay, this is how you're defending, this is how we're going to counter that, the ability of coaches to figure out how to use their lineups differently. I think games two and three are so incredible because what you're really seeing is a chess match, right? You're watching really smart people, and you know this with all the basketball in your background, right? Like, there's yep. a, it, it's amazing. We don't get this in the NFL because it's not like usually you play a team back-to-back, right? Like, the ability for coaches to come in and make a difference has me a little hesitant to panic about anybody being down one, but there are still reasons for some teams, cough the Suns, cough, to look around and say, holy, mm, that just happened? Like, I think there is some concern without there being panic. Uh, yes, because the Clippers were able to, you know, knock off the Suns in game one without Paul George, and it was on the back of Kawhi Leonard. The Kawhi Leonard that we've seen for the Toronto Raptors that led that team to an NBA championship is the Kawhi Leonard that we've seen in that ball game last night. And I just love the fact that him and Kevin Durant was going at each other, right? They didn't guard each other the entire time, but the moments where they did, it was the back and forth. Kawhi would hit a three. Kevin Durant would come down and hit a three. And just the back and forth, I think, was good for the viewers, also good for the game. But I will say this, Kawhi Leonard had a stretch, man, down the stretch, well, I was like, man, this this is the young man that everyone has been waiting for since he became a Los Angeles Clippers uh, player in that uniform, in that moment, in that setting, to where he was getting bucket at the bucket, bucket at the bucket. Like you talk about two two huge threes down the stretch, but being able to be in that triple threat uh, position where he can pass, dribble, or shoot and make decisions, and then also make the right play if he had to kick it and pass it to one of his teammates. But he's always ready, and he's ready for the moment. He's been there and done it. And that's a that's a huge, huge advantage for the Clippers because you have a team that's long and rangy, right? You have players on the bench that can come in and give you a spark. When you look at the Phoenix Suns, it's more so top-heavy. Those four guys, in which I didn't think it was going to be a huge problem um, come playoff time, but it might be versus the Clippers, who, who, who are athletic and long and can guard a lot of guys on the floor. But I love what I seen last night from both the superstars and Kawhi Leonard, because I still think he is, because when he's healthy, he's amazing, and also Kevin Durant. Yeah, I think there's this moment for me with Kawhi where, you know, I'll, I'll use the Toby Keith song, like, I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. I got to yep. see, is this is this where Kawhi is again? Because I'm with you. I was watching and thinking, like, this is Toronto Kawhi. This is like, this yep. is this is the Kawhi that nobody wanted to face, that you really th- felt like when the Lakers, or the Clippers, sorry, no no offense, LA, when the Clippers signed him, you felt like this is the reason Clippers fans got mouthy, right? Like, Clippers fans are like, oh, we're, gonna, we're the new LA, right? You felt like you were seeing some of that, combined with the fact that KD was invisible in the fourth quarter at one point. Like, it oh, is strange goodness. to me to have somebody of KD 
Mercedes Caliber go five minutes late in the fourth quarter without a bucket. There's a difference without even an attempt. There's a difference between LeBron being essentially invisible in the fourth quarter because the Lakers have rhythm and he doesn't need to exert that energy. He's letting everybody else do their thing. That's different than KD just disappearing for five minutes down the stretch in a close basketball game. That disturbed me a little bit. Well, and here's the thing, right? And I'm going to put some of that on Kevin Durant. I'm also going to put some of that on his teammates and along with Monty Williams. Because what did the Clippers do? Ty Lue made sure Kawhi Leonard had that damn basketball down the stretch. Just about every time down the court, he made sure that ball got to Kawhi Leonard. The Phoenix Suns didn't do that. You had a five-minute stretch late in that ball game where Kevin Durant didn't have a shot. You mean to tell me one of the most prolific, if not the most prolific score in the game today, is it going to touch the basketball in a five-minute stretch? In a game that's back and forth and close? That can't happen for the Phoenix Suns, especially if they want to win this series. You're going to have to find Kevin Durant early. You're going to have to find him uh, mid-game. You're going to have to find him late in games because he's shown you that he can be that guy and put the ball in the basket when you need a bucket. Well, and he was asked at the press conference about the inability to get shots up down the stretch. This is what KD said. They did a good job when I did get it. They put a trap on me and I had to come off the ball. Um, but a lot of time I was spacing there in the corner just waiting for it. Um, and it's providing space for my teammates. Uh, I think we got some good looks there in the fourth. We didn't knock some down, but um, you got to get credit to the Clippers. Uh, there's go, uh, uh, go get it. Go get it, Kevin. I, I, providing space. I understand that. You're Kevin Durant. Go get that rock and go to work. Kawhi Leonard got that rock and he went to work. So now you go get it and go to work. And I love Devin Booker, but Devin Booker, not Kevin Durant now. Let's be honest. Uh, well, I mean, KD, obviously, we've talked about how seamless it has looked for the most part coming over to Phoenix. It didn't look seamless in this game for that exact reason. And sometimes the right basketball play is the wrong play for a superstar in that moment. Like hindsight's twenty twenty. I get it. I understand that if, if he's dishing out and everybody's hitting their shots and we're looking at and saying, wow, glorious. There is a spot when that's not happening, though, where you want your guy to take over. You want KD to come out and be the KD that he's been. Like, being trapped in double team is nothing new to Kevin Durant. That happens it should, all it should the time. Even, it, it shouldn't have even came to that, though, because you're talking about down the stretch in this basketball game where every possession is meaningful. Rebounding is meaningful, right? I just thought the, uh, the Suns did a poor job uh, of boxing out and allowing the Los Angeles Clippers to get second-chance points. Russell Westbrook, how many balls did he keep alive for the Clippers because of the simple fact that they didn't box out? Plumlee was able to do the same thing. And shout-out to Ty Lue because he went with Plumlee uh, longer than he probably wanted to, but he sensed and had a feel of the game and how it was going, and Plumlee came up huge in that game as well. So I would say, when you're looking at the head coaching matchup, right? Ty Lue won, Monty Williams zero. Uh, well, and to that point, what have we said repeatedly about Ty Lue? He is one of the better coaches in the NBA, and it showed. Yep. That's why I think the most important thing, and not just for this series, for every single series in the NBA, the most important thing is game two. Because it is the first time that you get a sense of how they're adjusting to what they've seen. Now, game three is like the counter adjustment. I get that. But to me, game two is everything. What are they? What are we going to see from KD? The individual? 
What are we going to see from Monty Williams that's going to help him get what he needs to get to make him more assertive? How many times did we say it wasn't just up to AD, it's also up to Darvin Ham to make sure that AD is aggressive in these sets and situations, right? Like, same thing is going to be happening when it when we talk about all of these superstars. Tyloo and the Clippers were getting it done, brought to you by Granger with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger has the right product for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Then there's uh, LA's other team and why LeBron has so much confidence in one of his unheralded teammates. You'll hear from him next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. I don't know, man. I don't know how I feel about it, Harry. I got chunky former blocking tight ends for the Jags coming after me. Did I get that right? I got that right, right? Man. I got beef. I don't know. I don't know why it makes me laugh so hard. Like when I when I hear everything, man. Oh, my goodness. This hey, is hilarious. Harry's the best because, uh, by the way, Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. <laughs> that's Keyshawn J. Will and Max, our great uh, brothers to the north of the morning show, uh, doing God's work uh, every morning. We're creating, a, you know, I, I don't know at this point. we got full WWE rivalry. Uh, I'd take on Keyshawn, but there's no – I mean, I'm I'm fit, but there's no way I'm slamming that. That'd be like trying to pick up Andre the Giant. <laughs> Not happening at this point. Uh, but but the, the great uh, – the great thing, yeah. Like, this is a lightweight. Thank you very much because I, uh, I'm a beacon of fitness now. Taking on what, like a super heavyweight? What do we call this at this point? Uh, but what's great about Harry is that Harry lets me talk – like, Harry, this is – I'm older than Harry, but Harry's the big brother in this relationship sometimes. Like, he just looks over and he's like, I'm going to let him run his mouth. Now, I'm also going to let him get his ass kicked, but I'm going to let him run his mouth for a minute. So, like, yeah, that's, that's part of our charm, HD. You know, like, I, got you, I got your back, bro, always. I, I, I got your back. I, I appreciate it. Uh, it's, 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 it's just so funny, though, because, you know, I, I did KJM for so long with those guys, mm-hmm. and now we have our own show. So I like the banter back and forth between yeah. the shows. It's, I, it's hilarious to me. Well, you know, and Jay Will and I have been buddies for a long time, so, you know, I, I'm going to need Jay Will to start stepping up for me there. Like, man, I feel like Jay Will. <laughs> all right. Uh, Fitz and Harry, all this comes based on the fact that the Lakers won a game. Good thing it's a best of one series, and I missed that whole memo. So I guess the playoffs are just over, and we should crown the Lakers, or maybe we're only doing that on the morning show. I'm just, oh, I'm throwing all sorts of shade. That being said, I don't think anybody can throw shade at Austin Reeves, who had that sort of playoff performance that, I mean, I just sat there the whole time thinking, Harry's been saying it. Harry's been saying it. And even the other day when we had Perk on and Perk tried to talk about Austin Reeves, like, we weren't talking about him. It's one of the few times Harry's interrupted. And he's like, wait, 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 wait. We've had nothing but positives to say. And we aren't the only one. This is what LeBron had to say after the game when he was asked if he was surprised by Reeves' performance in his first playoff game. It's not surprising to me. I knew from the first practice that we had when we grabbed him that he wasn't going to be a two-way player for long. And then a couple of weeks went by. I knew he was going to get a guaranteed contract at some point. I just, I just know I've been around the game long enough to know great basketball IQ players, and I know the type of players that fit with my game. and And I knew Austin would be that right away. Ooh, you got not the king. You got the king. You got the king's endorsement. Austin Reeves, though, I, I, when I when I watch him play, though, fits. He, he's never hurried up. He plays at his pace, but he understands when to attack. He understands when to shoot the ball, but he plays with passion. He plays with passion, and you can just tell he loves the game. After he made that little run in the lane, um, and it bounced around and went in, like 
that emotion during a basketball game, I love seeing that from players. I think, you know, we need more players to have that kind of emotion. I'm him. I'm him. And him went to them cookouts back in the day. I don't give a damn what none of y'all say. Mm-hmm. Him was at them cookouts. Now, if, if y'all don't know, because I'm him is a, a, a young generation thing right now. It is your way of basically saying, you know, you can't stop I'm me. that dude. Yeah, I'm I, that dude. I, and, and him is very capitalized. And the way he did it, it wasn't just that he started screaming it as he pointed to his arm, which is the I've got ice in my veins sort of point. It was watching the entire bench get up and do that right back to him. Like, there was so much respect right there between the player that's a growing superstar with the team that's with him every day. That just hit different, AC. Like, when you can, see can, that can whole I, team. I got to tell you, you want to know what, what – what changed for me with Austin Reeves and how I viewed him when he was about to get into it at midcourt by the scores table against that Dallas Mavericks player and basically was telling him, like, this ain't what you want. Like, this, I'm that dude. If you want it, come get it. When, when I seen that from Austin Reeves, I knew he was that dude, man. Well, I knew it was something different about him. I, I'm going to give you uh, an interesting stat on Austin Reeves, all right? Austin Reeves, again, these are advanced analytics. I know some people roll their eyes, but I think this is important. Austin Reeves averaged 2.17 points per chance in the fourth quarter of his touches, which means every time he touched the ball, he averaged 2.17 points. Now, you might say, what does that mean? I'll tell you. It's the highest average by any player in the fourth quarter of a playoff game in the last decade. He wasn't just good in the fourth quarter. He was stinking spectacular in the fourth quarter. And when we talk about the Lakers and the way they won this game, it was in part Hachimura throughout the course of the game that they made a conscious decision to leave wide open, and he just absolutely destroyed the Grizzlies for it. It was also, frankly, Austin Reeves off the dribble taking over in the fourth quarter. If he plays at that level, man, he is going to get wildly rich, and he is a building block moving forward. It is, it is incredible to see his growth. Well, here's what, what makes me nervous for Memphis. When you have players like Hachimura and Austin Reeves, right, you have given – those guys are already confident. You have given them that much more confidence um, by the lack of your defense in that game against those two guys. So now moving forward, their, their confidence is going to be through the roof, right? Even if, it was, even if it was high, now it's through the roof. And they're not going to feel like any moment in this series is going to be too big for any one of them. But if you're the Lakers – if you're Darvin Ham, if you're LeBron James, that's what you want from those two guys because in order to advance, you need those guys to play the way they did in game one. It's almost like two different instances, too, because Hachimura's got the chip on his shoulder that he will have for the rest of the playoffs that they yep. essentially decided, don't guard me, right? Like, that's going to lead to a different level of fine. You want to leave me open, I'm going to make you pay. They were trying, like, everything they could to slow down Austin Reeves while still maintaining their strategy of obviously sending the entire farm at AD well, every well, time well, he well, the well, ball. That's what happens when you eat neck bones, collard greens, cornbread and stuff. So it, That's what happens. You know, Austin Reeves at the cookouts. I that's mean, what happens. There, there, there is a level of swagger to everything. he. You're not wrong. Like, it just – it feels like that's part of the it factor for him, right? Like, it's not just that he's – you know, making big shots. It's not just that they they won the game. It's that they were going to Austin Reeves when they needed yes. big shots. Like, that's different. You know, that hits different. And, I, and I'll tell you, I, go, going into the playoff series, I was like, well, can Austin Reeves keep it up? Is the moment going to get too big from, for him? Uh, what I seen from him yesterday, no, nah, it's not. He's ready. He's yeah, ready. I, I am, if I'm looking on the outside, like as I am, having taken Memphis so loudly in this series, if I'm looking around, 
what puckers me up, what makes me nervous here is that that wasn't a one-off from Austin Reeves. We've seen enough of Austin Reeves to know that he can continue to do that. Now Memphis is going to have to figure out what they're going to do if they can't get John Morant back, but more importantly, they're going to have to figure out how they account for three different people that can beat them on the Lakers roster. It's not just LeBron. It's not just Anthony Davis. Austin Reeves is in that category now. Are the Lakers now in the driver's seat in this series? I will answer that question next. God, I hope not. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio.